Welcome into another edition of On the Edge with Alec Etheridge. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And this week's going to be a little bit of an abbreviated show of uh, my actual job covering high school sports. We're in a crossover part of the season with volleyball playoffs and football heading to the playoffs, as well as basketball season kicking off. So don't have as much time this week. So we're going to do a quick version of the show. There's not much really to recap anyways from last week. We all kind of know... Uh, what happened in the Alabama-Tennessee game to a tongue of Aloha going down with an injury to his ankle, a high ankle sprain, and he had surgery the next morning on that. So he's out this week against Arkansas. That's one of the biggest storylines in the college football world uh, across that landscape. And the concern of his health moving forward into uh, the matchup with LSU in a couple of weeks, but uh, a, a game against Arkansas this weekend where it's not really going to mean too much uh, it'll be kind of like what we saw from Georgia against Kentucky trying to bounce back going into a bye. Alabama just needs to win this football game, get into the bye as healthy as they can with the rest of their players, uh, and, and be prepared for that LSU game in a couple of weeks. Now, next week we can start to talk about Tua and the injury concern and whether or not he'll be back for the LSU game, which I fully expect him to be. Uh, he's dealt with this injury before on a, di- on a different ankle last year. Uh, and that was after the SEC championship game, was able to come back against Oklahoma in the semifinals and led Alabama to a dominant offensive show, uh, offensive showing. Uh, and albeit this is going to be a different test against LSU, I still expect Tua to come back and be fine in that LSU game against a defense that's had some problems at times this year. And we all expect that to be an offensive game. So Tua said he'll be there. Us as fans and, and college football people, we want to see him in that game. He and Joe Burrow, that's the game. That's the one that we've all been hyping up, looking forward to. Those two guys seem to be the front runners in the top two spots. As Heisman contenders right now, Jalen Hurts also thrown in there at Oklahoma and maybe a couple others. But those two going head-to-head, we've been waiting for all season. So we hope that two is going to be healthy going into that matchup. But that's the biggest storyline from this past weekend. Alabama in that game struggled. Uh, If you look at the way Tua was playing before going out, he was 11 of 12, more than 100 yards passing, and was playing some good football. That one one incompletion was an interception on a very bad decision. Second week in a row, he had thrown an interception after not throwing one through the first few weeks of the season. So uh, he's going to have some time to fix up some things with his uh, with his reads and mentally from those two interceptions, make a little bit, both bad decisions on those interceptions. But he's played uh, some great football, was playing great before he went out. But then if you look at that game the rest of the way, Mac Jones was thrown into the fire against, a lot of people don't realize this, Tennessee has been, the struggles they've had this season has been inconsistency at quarterback and uncertainty at that position. Uh, the defense for the Vols has really been talented this year and there's been some flashes we've seen. Uh, the problem they've had was against Georgia and Florida. That's where their defense really looked bad. That's why we expected Alabama to be able to pull away uh, in this game against Tennessee. But once Tua went out, that offense took a hit. Mac Jones was thrown into the fire at quarterback, had to do some different things. And this was a game that was 28-13. to Tennessee drove down inside the five-yard line, uh, was at the one-yard line with a goal line snap looking to make it a one-possession game when Jared uh, Guarantano, the quarterback at Tennessee, fumbles the ball, and it's picked up by Trevon Diggs and ran 
100 plus yards for a touchdown that really sealed that game go uh, there in the fourth quarter so it ended up being much closer than people expected um, and then going into this week how does Alabama bounce back from that there's a lot of things they need to work on and improve um, and so that's going to be key to watch from the Crimson Tide this weekend other than that last weekend though uh, I mean, we saw Florida get tested against South Carolina. South Carolina, for the second week in a row, played good football, but Florida's able to pull away at the end of that game. LSU, the first time they'd scored less than 40 points in a game this year, but they still win in a thumping 36-13 to over Mississippi State. Georgia, they were tested for the second week in a row last week. Uh, it was a game that was played in a monsoon against Kentucky with a tropical system coming through. So the passing from each quarterback, the stats, you can't really look at that and, and take too much away from that game. Georgia still, despite the 0-0 halftime tie, they're able to pull away in the second half for a 21 to nothing win. DeAndre Swift with an incredible game running the football for the Bulldogs in that one. Uh, and then looking at some of the other, some of the other things that we had, Texas A&M was able to pull off a comeback against Ole Miss a game where I expected the Rebels to win that one. Uh, but A&M made plays late. They were able to pick up a road victory. The Auburn Tigers with a 51-10 victory over Arkansas, another game that I got wrong last week, and Auburn's just my kryptonite right now. Uh, that's four weeks in a row that I've missed on a pick uh, going with or against Auburn this season. And then the shocker of the week last Saturday. That was Missouri and Vanderbilt. The Missouri Tigers, one of the better defenses in the country, going up against the Vanderbilt Commodores, who one of the worst football teams in general in the country on both sides of the ball. Not only were they not scoring going into that matchup with a, a very good Missouri defense, but their defense is what normally carries them, and it hasn't played well at all this season. It's clear that Derek Mason knew, uh, knew that, and got his guys ready on the defensive side of the football last week. And it paid off as they shut down uh, Kelly Bryant and that Missouri offense, held them to 14 points to pick up a big 21-14 to 14 victory. So a lot happening last week, but a few games that may have surprised us like that, some that might have been closer than we expected. Auburn winning in another route, second time in three weeks. They've scored 50-plus points. Um so there were some some storylines there, but nothing really that jumped off the page as far uh, from a, an overall standpoint that has you too worried moving forward. But going into this week, um, it's a week where if you look across the schedule, may not seem great overall, but we get that highlight with Auburn and LSU, another top 10 battle for these teams who have just been tested several times this year and that's what makes this such an enthusiastic and intriguing matchup to me is the fact that they've all been they've both been tested on so many different occasions throughout the season we've seen LSU take on Texas uh, we've seen them take on Florida now they're going to take on Auburn we've seen Auburn against Florida we've seen Auburn against Texas A&M and we've seen Auburn against Oregon uh, against Florida they struggled but they've looked good in the rest of those matchups so both of these teams battle tested that's going to be the highlight this week. Also, what's Alabama going to do without Tua Tungavailoa and with Mac Jones in at quarterback? And then that's just one of several games where the quarterback becomes a concern. South Carolina, Tennessee, we're going to see some quarterback concerns there, as well as uh, Missouri, Kentucky, and possibly even 
Mississippi Tech, uh, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. So the big storyline going into these this week's games, aside from that top ten battle between number nine Auburn, number two LSU in Death Valley, it's going to be the quarterback play for those other four games that are going to be taking place. And we'll look into all that. We'll start uh, and, and pick our games against the spread. And last week coming off a, a a pretty poor performance, to say the least. I mean, it was piss poor to go 2-5 and five last week uh, with my record. And uh, overall now 40-29 and 29 on the season, so still hanging in there, doing all right at this point. But, uh, you know, Auburn, like I said, they've been my kryptonite. Struggled with them last week, struggled with them the last several weeks that they've had a game. They've got another one that's going to be interesting this week to where – uh, it's a top 10 battle. So if I pick them and you're an, an Auburn fan, that's not good for you. But if I pick against them, good chance Auburn's going to win that football game. So that's the last one we'll talk about, obviously, being the biggest game of the week. And uh, it's going to be an exciting one, to say the least. But we'll start uh, with two teams that have been struggling. Uh, two teams that really, uh, one of which was playing such good football but comes in off such a devastating loss. That's the Missouri Tigers entering a matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats off a 21-14 loss to Vanderbilt last week. And uh, Vanderbilt's defense is one of the worst in the country. I've said that. I'll reiterate that point. A defense that was ranked close to dead last in the country going into that matchup, and they hold that Missouri offense with all that talent on the offensive side of the ball, and they hold them to 14 points. The Vandy offense, not much better, also one of the worst this year, and uh, able to put up 21 points against a Missouri defense that was playing lights out going into that game. This is a the interesting thing about this matchup for Missouri is this is the second time they've lost this year to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Earlier in the year, we saw the game against Wyoming, a, a team that's a, a good team in Wyoming, but a team Missouri should beat. They're good enough, they're talented enough to beat Wyoming. And it's the same thing last week. Vanderbilt was probably, they were worse than Wyoming uh, so far this year. That's a team Missouri's got to beat. And I understand they don't have anything to play for so uh, play for this season with the postseason ban, but at the same time, You've got to come ready to play. And they bounced back after that last one. I expect that to happen again this week. It's a team the last couple of years that's done the same thing. They lose games they're not supposed to lose, and then they bounce back with a win uh, a week later. So th- that makes this game a little bit more weird uh, from th- from that standpoint because Kentucky is struggling too. They're off the 21 to nothing loss to Georgia. They played that game tight, but they had just 17 passing yards and I know there were sloppy conditions, but Lynn Bowden, the quarterback there, was 2 of 15. And a big reason for that is because Sawyer Smith wasn't able to go in that game. So for Kentucky, even when Smith was in there, the last three weeks, this is an offense that has thrown for 90 yards or less in each of those three games. They've had a couple of good games at times this season, but obviously not having Terry Wilson is affecting this Kentucky offense. With Terry Wilson, this is a Kentucky team, in my opinion, especially seeing Georgia struggles, that I think would have competed for the SEC East. They probably would have gone on to beat uh, Florida, and they would have been able to compete with the with Georgia the way we've seen them uh, play as well. So this is – it's a Kentucky team that's just taken a huge blow um, 
the last several weeks with no Terry Wilson and the, the indecisiveness at quarterback. This week, going up against Missouri, while Missouri did give up those 21 points last week, they're still a solid defensive team. Kentucky's seeing so much in the way of struggle on the offensive side of the ball. They've, uh, it's, it's an offense scored 24 or less in the last five games, including 13 or less in three of the last four games. So an offense that's just not being very productive. Missouri, a 10.5-point uh, favorite in this game on the road. I think that's the key is that they're on the road. I think if they're at home, they may feel a little bit too comfortable again. But going on the road after that loss, they're going to have to bounce back. They're going to have to be focused this week to get ready for this game. I think they're going to be angry. I think they're going to show you that they shouldn't be losing to teams like Vanderbilt or to teams like Kentucky. I just don't see the Wildcats having enough of an offensive presence. I said the same thing last week for Vanderbilt going into a matchup with with Missouri. But this week, coming off of what we saw last week from the Tigers, I think they're going to bounce back against a Kentucky offense that just can't move the football. That Missouri defense is going to play like the defense that was playing so well during that winning streak following the game against Wyoming. So I expect we'll see uh, a solid showing from Missouri's defense. And Kentucky's defense has been solid enough at times. Uh, to where they could keep this a close game. Uh, it could be a 10-point final score where Missouri wins by 10. Uh, but at the same time, there's still enough talent on this Missouri offense. I expect them to be able to pull away down the stretch and pick up a win uh, in this game. I'm going to go with the Tigers minus 10.5. I don't feel good about it just because what we saw last week against one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, but... As the road favorite, there's a reason they're the road favorite. They've been really good at bouncing back uh, from losses the last couple years and from tough times. They faced some tough circumstances last year. I expect them to bounce back again this year in this game like they did against Wyoming and like they did several times late last season as well. So I'll go Missouri minus 10.5 in that game. Kentucky the 10.5 point underdog on their home field. The next game we have to talk about, that's going to be Texas A&M, another game, two teams uh, that have struggled at times this year uh, and have shown some positive signs at times this year, but more so from Texas A&M on the side of positive signs. Mississippi State's just struggling bad right now, uh, but so are both of these teams. Texas A&M's not uh, entering this matchup with too much in the way of confidence either. Uh, just looking at what they did last week, they come off a win but that was a game they could have easily lost, a game against Ole Miss that, you know, on the road you have to give Texas A&M credit for bouncing back and finding a way uh, of finding a way to win, especially the way that they started. Um, you know, it was really just a late second-half surge that helped them. Uh, they fell behind early in that game 7-3, to three, bounced back, and they scored 14 points between the second and third quarter. Um, and they were playing decent football. It just wasn't what we expected from Texas A&M coming into the year. I guess that's where I'm trying to go with this. We expected so much out of this Texas A&M football team. Uh, Jimbo Fisher at the helm. It's the head coach. A lot of talent back from last year's team, especially at quarterback in Kellen Mond. And that's the guy, the, the, the offense, the team, everything revolves around him. And he enters this game despite the win last week. Two interceptions in that game. He's he's thrown a uh, thrown an interception in just about every game so far this season. So he's he's really struggled in that regards. Not putting up a ton of passing yards. Uh, he's doing what he can running the football. But I think he 
looks to run it too much, to be honest with you. When this team is in a bind late in games, he's played really well throwing the football. I think that needs to be an emphasis early on. This week, though, going up against Mississippi State, it's a Mississippi State team that's, I mean, they're struggling as bad as anybody right now. They've lost three in a row, and they've scored 10 and 13 the last two weeks in losses to Tennessee, which the 10 points put up against Tennessee, that's what was embarrassing. Like I said, Tennessee has a good defense this year, but to lose that game to the Volunteers in the state of that program where they were, uh, it just wasn't good. And then last week against LSU, they showed us some improvement defensively holding one of the best offenses to less than 40 points for the first time this season. And uh, so there were some promising signs in that one, but what's happened with the offense the last two weeks against teams they should have been able to score on, and they put up just 10 and 13 points. It's just, it's concerning. And luckily last week they started showing confidence in Garrett Schrader. They let him play the entire game against LSU, and that's a huge bonus, something that's going to benefit them not just this season, but moving forward. A guy that really can make plays for this team down the line, and if he sticks around with this program, he's going to be a very good quarterback over the next couple of years. Now, probably both of these guys enter the game quarterback-wise having thrown two interceptions last week. There's not a lot of faith in either of the offenses. When you look at that, Texas A&M has been good enough defensively uh, to make me feel a little bit more confident in them going into this game. I just trust them a little bit more offensively than I trust Mississippi State right now. Plus, the key in my opinion right now is the distraction that's surrounding Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead rumored to be going to Rutgers uh, as their top choice. And the interview with Paul Feinbaum last week, it was just awkward. It sounded like he was on his way out the door uh, and just didn't want to answer questions uh, about it. And, you know, the the excuse of, oh, we've got a game to get ready for, a game to prepare for, he can use that all he wants to. But he just didn't sound as confident in being in Starkville as he needed to, in my opinion. And I think that that's carried over to the locker room. I think it is a distraction, and I think that's going to be key in this game Texas A&M on their home field, coming off a win, albeit just a seven-point win against Ole Miss. I could see this game being close. You look at the game, the wins against Arkansas and Ole Miss, and they were seven and, and four points. But this one, the difference in those, those were both on the road or at a neutral site. This one's on their home field, Kyle Field. I expect that to be the difference in this game. I see Texas A&M winning this one by 11 uh, to 17 points. So I'm going to go with the Aggies minus the 10 and a half on their home field. It's a dangerous bet because we haven't seen anything from Texas A&M to make you feel confident that they can do that, but we've seen more from them than we've seen from Mississippi State uh, that gives you any sort of confidence that the Bulldogs can come in and, and pull off a shocking upset and really, in my opinion, even keep this game close after what we've seen over the last three weeks. That leads us into a matchup with Tennessee and South Carolina that many may not be excited for but for some reason, it really intrigues me. And I guess why why I feel intrigued about this game is because we see two teams that really have shown me a lot the last couple weeks of play. South Carolina with the big upset uh, of Georgia a couple weeks ago. Last week against uh, Florida, had a chance to pull off the upset in that game as well and arguably should have. If that was a more experienced team, maybe with a more veteran quarterback, despite how good Ryan Holinsky's been, that team likely pulls off a second upset in a row 
of Florida. And this team, young with a lot of talent and a quarterback that's going to be there for a couple years, this is a South Carolina team that's going to be scary over the next couple years. Will Muschamp finally getting a chance to show what he has. He just really hasn't gotten that chance yet. A lot of people have been uh, he have been high on him as a coach, but he hasn't proven anything to this point. So they're quick to to dismiss him and, and what he's uh, the capability that he has to lead a successful program. And we're finally starting to see flashes of that. Uh, against Florida, just made too many mistakes late to win that football game. You look on the other side of this matchup, and you've got a Tennessee team two weeks ago with a win over Mississippi State, uh, pick up a big SEC win in that game, and then look at what they did last week. It was a 35-13 to loss, so uh, in the scoring column, that game doesn't look close, but if you look at the way that that game was played, like we talked about earlier, Tennessee had a chance to make that a one possession game in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was 28 to 13 and they were on the 1 yard line about to score. It was going to be either 28 to 20 or 28 to 21 uh in that situation and when you get to that point, Tennessee had all the momentum and you had Alabama without their starting quarterback, a defense that struggled at times this year. It it was just it seemed like it was ripe uh, the upset was there, and Tennessee had their chance. And that fumble was crucial. There's no hiding that, but you still can't help but take away some positive from what you've seen from Tennessee the last two weeks. So these are two teams out of the SEC East that building for the future right now with what they have, the young guys they have, uh, and the coaches they have. They're two guys trying to build programs and clean up what was left before them uh, by Steve Spurrier at South Carolina and, and by the array of coaches that we've seen at Tennessee between Derek Dooley, between Lane Kiffin. I mean, it's just been an onslaught the last few years for Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt, he's going to have to have time to clean up the mess that's been left there for the Vols, and we're starting to see some some promising signs, in my opinion, despite the struggles from South Carolina the last several years and this year, and despite the struggles from Tennessee this year that people really got down on them and questioned Jeremy Pruitt early in the season. I think this is a game that's huge for both of these coaches from that standpoint, the confidence in their program, the players on the field, buying into them moving forward next year. The winner of this game is really, in my opinion, far along. I think it's it's bigger for South Carolina. If they can win this game, they've got so much talent and so much young talent and a quarterback that can be really good for years to come. And Tennessee, they still got some things that need to come their way, some some building blocks to set up. But it's a good Tennessee football team that's showing some promising signs on both sides of the ball. The quarterback position is what worries you. If you look at the uh, at the defensive side, we've, uh, side of the ball, we've seen some flashes there and they've really played good played good against Alabama played really good against Mississippi State and have played good in several other games Georgia and Florida aside those were the two games they struggled in but we've seen some promising signs from that side of the ball it's the offense that gives you some concern at Tennessee if you look at what's happened last week they were all the way down to third string quarterback JT Shrout he had to come in uh, Jarrett Guarantano, the quarterback that was there last year, was expected to have an extremely big year this year. Um, he's, I mean, everybody's down on him. Tennessee faithful 
just can't trust him. And after that fumble on the one-yard line, that didn't help Case's uh, last week. It didn't help his case. And if you look at it, where they are as a team, they may be down to their third-string quarterback this week with, with Shroud, uh, a team that had turned its faith uh, into another quarterback. And um, if you look at the way that Gorantano's handled the season – I think he's handled it well with the judgment that he's gotten and with everything that's been on his plate. Uh, but at the same time, there's a reason uh, that he has has been benched basically several times throughout this season. Uh, and it really, you saw why last week with some of the things that happened. But um, when you look at this Tennessee team, and the biggest concern right now is the health to quarterback Brian Maurer. When you have to, when you've benched a guy like Guarantano, who had experience, who had possibly won over the locker room, was a guy that a lot of players looked up to. You bench him in place of Brian Maurer, that's a big thing. And so when he goes down, when Brian Maurer goes down, and you have to bring in back in Guarantano, it just creates a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown around the quarterback. They don't know who to believe in. They don't know what to what the deal is, and this week they're likely going to have to choose between Guarantano or Shrout, the second and third string quarterbacks now, and Shrout's a a freshman. And so that's the thing that concerns you about Tennessee going into this matchup. Like I said, I still have faith in this defense. I have faith in this team moving forward after this year, especially two to three years from now. I think this can be a very good football program. But honestly, South Carolina right now, a a four-and-a-half-point favorite, in this game, I know it's on the road, but I think this may be the steal of the week. I think South Carolina has showed us the last couple of weeks that they have a team that can compete with some of the best teams in the country in Florida and Georgia. Uh, last week with that 38-27 to loss to the Gators, uh, it's a game they could have won easily had it not been for a poor fourth quarter. And so going into this matchup, they not only have the confidence in them having competed in both of those games, but they have confidence in a quarterback. Ryan Holinsky has stepped in and played remarkable uh, this season so far, and I expect that to continue. Um, he's a guy that you know, was thrown into the fire this year, and he's handled it remarkably well. I expect that to continue this week. I expect South Carolina to really run away in this game. I know it's on the road, and that can be, that's going to create for a tough atmosphere and a, 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 a tough opportunity for them. But at the same time, I've seen Holinsky go up against two of the best defenses, one of which he beat in Georgia and the other in Florida that he put up a ton of points in, played really well, and almost helped them pull off a second upset in a row. So I think there's more for South Carolina to build off of going into this matchup as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I honestly think it should be shifted more towards a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite somewhere in that range. Uh, I think that the Gamecocks should win this game by 7, 10, maybe even more points than that. So I easily have to go with South Carolina. It's just a matter of them stepping up and actually doing that. But they should be a heavy favorite to win this game, in my opinion. And I'm easily going to pick South Carolina minus the 4.5 in this game. So now we can get to the two in-state games, and one of which a little bit bigger than the other. Uh, The other one still has a bunch of intrigue simply because of the quarterback position. We'll talk about that one first. Alabama hosting Arkansas this Saturday night, a 31-and-a-half point favorite going into this game. 
Uh, and I'll talk more about that that spread and, and the point line and the benefit you might get taking Alabama in this game uh, in just a second. But obviously the big storyline coming into this matchup, that's going to be Mac Jones, uh, the backup quarterback there at Alabama. He's waited uh, around. He knows this system. He's ready to go. And he steps in for arguably the best quarterback in the country into a tongue of Aloha and a guy that could be a, a first overall pick in the NFL draft next spring. So he's got some big shoes to feel to fill uh, this Saturday. And I think he knows that hopefully in his mind, he doesn't let that get to him. He doesn't get too distracted and try to live up to that. He's got to be his own quarterback. And if he can do that, Alabama's going to be successful. But if you look at this point spread, Arkansas, they're coming off the 51 to 10 loss to Auburn last weekend. And nothing about that that Auburn offense with no Booby Whitlow, uh, with Bo Nix having struggled. I know Auburn came into that game off of a bye. That's an Auburn offense that really wasn't the difference in games this year. I know they put up 50 against Mississippi State, another team that struggled this year. But it's been the defense that's kind of lifted them and helped them along in their bigger games. Uh, last week we saw the offense. The offense at, at Auburn takes advantage of teams like Arkansas that struggle defensively. And if you look at what the point spread would have been with Tua starting this game at Alabama, it would have been instead of thirty-one and a half, it probably would have been forty-two. I bet I bet Alabama would have been a 42-point favorite with Tua Tagovailoa starting at quarterback. So you're getting, uh, in this point, a 10.5-point difference. That's drastic when you can sit there and tell me that Alabama still has playmakers like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith all at receiver. So that makes Mac Jones, his job, a lot easier at the quarterback position that he can sit back there and know that each play with the offense that's drawn up, there's likely going to be a person open. He's just got to trust in that, go through his reads, and know that one of those guys, if he can just get it out of his hands and into their hands, there's a chance they take it to the house on every play. And they've shown that so far this season that even on an easy, simple slant pass, they can catch it within seconds of the snap being taken and they can take it to the house on any given catch. So you've got those four guys that are four of the fastest guys in the country playing college football, and you're giving me 10.5 less points. I just don't buy it. I think Alabama's the better team. Um, what we saw last week, it was you saw Mac thrown into the fire. Um, I do have concerns about him in general if they had to start long-term. He, I don't think he would beat LSU. I think they would still compete with LSU. I don't think they would beat them. But in this game in particular, the talent across the field, it's just night and day. Alabama is night uh, is light years ahead of where Arkansas is from a talent standpoint at every position. Up front, on both sides of the ball, that's the biggest key. Uh, and then if you look at what they have offensively still, even with no Tua running that offense, and the way we've seen Najee Harris play lately too, he's really been handling things well, even though he's not been the focal point of the offense this year, Najee's come along the last few weeks and uh, the last couple of weeks in particular has really played well. And going into this matchup, we saw Auburn win this game 51-10 to last week with Arkansas on the road. Alabama gets them at home. All that offensive talent, I think it's going to be still tough for Arkansas to muster up a ton of points 
in this game. I see them staying around the 10-point mark, and I see Alabama getting close to the 42-point mark. So, um, you know, Tua makes a difference. They would win this game easily in a route if Tua was going to be out there. It, it's going to be a little bit more exciting from a point spread uh, perspective this week. I think Arkansas might be able to hang around for a little while while Mac Jones gets comfortable and gets a feel for things um, in that offense, but he's at home. It's a comfortable environment. He knows the system. He's just got to go through his progressions, his reads. Uh, I expect him to honestly be more comfortable than a lot of people uh, a lot of people think. So um, I was leaning towards Arkansas covering this game, um, and I've kind of talked myself out of that. It, it's 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 tough though. Um, because realistically, it seems like 28 points is a more realistic win total. I think Alabama, all that talent, um, has a chance to really put it on Arkansas this week, win this game big. Uh, so it, it's tough. But I could see this being a 38-10, to 10, a 35-10, 42-10 kind of game. So it's going to be right around that point spread. I've almost talked myself into taking Alabama, uh, but this is the kind of game I think this week is the identity. This is exactly what Alabama's going to do. This is going to be a week of old. We're going to see this team flashback to a few years ago where they were running the football and and winning football games with defense. They're going to want to win this game as quickly as possible and get out of there and into the bye week with as little injury as possible, as healthy as they can be going into that matchup with LSU. So now I've talked myself back out of going with Alabama. I think this is just a week. Uh, You're going to see Mac Jones come in, manage this game. He's going to do a solid job. They're going to still win this game pretty easily. But at the same time, I think it's going to be more of a thing. Let's get in and get out with the win and move on into the bye week. Uh, So I'm going to take Arkansas uh, as the 31.5-point underdog, it's going to be really close uh, to that mark, and, and I could easily see Alabama going over. It's one of the tougher games just because of the unknown. It's All the other games are tough because of the competitors, and but we know what to expect from those teams. We know what they're good at. We know what they're bad at. This game, we know Arkansas is not a good team, but we've also never seen Mac Jones start a game uh, going into a situation like this. So, the unknown just gives you that extra bit uh, of question going into this matchup. I'm going to take Arkansas uh, as the the 31.5-point dog on the road in that matchup. A game I have a little bit more confidence in, that's going to be the LSU-Auburn game, and probably wrongfully so because I've been wrong picking Auburn games. The last, Like I said, the last four games they've played in, I've been incorrect on that pick, and It'll probably happen again, but rejoice, Auburn fans. I'm going with LSU minus 10.5 in this game. The Tigers a 10.5-point favorite going into this matchup, and for the simple reason that they're the better team this year, um, I do think this is going to be a tight game. I think Auburn's going to have their chances to pull off the upset, uh, and I know that they have that experience of uh, beating beating Oregon uh, in on a neutral field, uh, making plays late to win that game, also beating Texas A&M on the road, and then competing with Florida on the road. So they played in some tough environments this year, but I still have to see that offense go into Death Valley 
with a true freshman quarterback uh, that made mistakes in his last big game against Florida, albeit the Florida defense, I think, a little bit better than LSU's. Auburn still lost that game 24-13 to uh, and struggled to score uh, points and just really to do anything offensively. And if they struggle to do that in this game, their off- their defense being on the field for that long like it was in that – that's what cost them in the Florida game. Defense was on the field so long that eventually they were able – they weren't able to hold it anymore, and they gave up big plays late to lose that game. If you do that against LSU, it's not – it's going to be big play after big play. You're going to have to score some points. You're going to have to sustain some drives offensively and have some success on that side of the ball or this offense – will make you pay. I know that LSU's coming off their first game uh, with the 36-13 to win over Mississippi State last week, first game that they haven't scored uh, 42 or more points this season, and that they get an even tougher defense than Mississippi State this week in Auburn. But at the same time, this offense has been dynamic. It has been unreal to watch. I do think this is the toughest defensive front they will have faced, though. And while I'm going with LSU, Auburn has chances to win this football game and that's one of the big chances that that defensive front can get in the backfield uh with Derek Brown and company if they get into the backfield and put pressure on Burrow make him uncomfortable early in this game maybe force a quick turnover uh and put up points they can win this football game that's where it starts right there making game-changing plays defensively to put your offense in a comfortable and better situation early in that game because if, if Auburn wants to win this game and pull off a massive upset, they've got to do it with an early touchdown or two. That's what they did against Texas A&M. That's why they beat the Aggies on the road. In the first few minutes of that game, the crowd was out of it immediately. 105,000 people out of the game immediately, and they were never able to get back in it because of what Auburn did. The key for Auburn in this football game, not just from an offensive standpoint overall, it's going to be first downs. If this Auburn team can have a positive play on first down, if that offense can bow up and push the line of scrimmage and they can have any sort two, three-yard positive play, that allows the offense to get set up, to get going, and and run that up-tempo style that can keep an LSU defense that struggled off balance. That's going to be key. If they do that early in this game, it not only gives them success, not only gives them a fast start and helps them play from in front, helps take the crowd out, but it gives that offense confidence to see, hey, all we need, one positive play and we're gone. And that's what can happen. This team, if they get that one positive play and get right back up to the line of scrimmage in, in 10 seconds or so and snap the next play, there's a chance that somebody's going to take it to the house or a big play is going to happen. Now the key is – Last game out offensively in a big big time matchup with Florida, like I said, Bo Nick struggled. He threw for a couple of, or a few interceptions uh, and, and just overall struggled to help this team move the football. But you can't put all that on him. The entire offense, the play calling, it just wasn't where it needed to be. And now this week, they're without Jatarvius Whitlow, uh, the star running back who was one of the best in the SEC when he went down with an injury. So even more pressure is going to fall on Bo Nix going into this matchup. Now, I know that they have an array of running backs that are extremely talented, and if you look at last week's game at the running back position, I mean, they had close to 10 guys that ran the football in that matchup, and, and you know, six that really played a key role. Um, 
and that's going to be key. When you look at guys like Joey Gatewood that can come in at the quarterback position and make plays with his legs, Knicks we know can make plays with his legs as well. Uh, and then you look at Cam Martin, you look at Sean Shivers, and I think the big question mark is Harold Joyner. How much of a role can he play this week? If Harold Joyner can come in and be more of an every-down type of back like Booby Whitlow is, that's really going to help this offense succeed. He's going to have to step up in a big atmosphere, and I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. He ran four times for 59 yards against Arkansas uh, as well as a touchdown, but a lot of that came late in the game. So how many opportunities will he get early, and can that run game open up things for Bo Nix in the RPO part uh, part of the contest? If he can find any sort of rhythm moving this offense, that's going to help the flow, and that's also going to help open up some uh, some pass play options over the over the the backside of the defense because of them inching up possibly to stop the run. So that's going to be the biggest key. Starts with offense for Auburn and then on the defensive side, they're in the top 30 in both sacks and tackles for loss this year. They're a team on the defensive front that can wear you down. The problem is if they don't have that typical game to where they can get in the backfield, pick up some sacks, force you behind the chains they don't have enough in the secondary nobody in the country in my opinion has enough in the secondary to keep up with the talent of L- the, the talent that LSU poses uh, at receiver the threat they have there is second to none they have four guys that could easily have a 100 yard receiving game uh, and so there's just not enough not enough defenders to handle the amount of talent that you're going to see from those LSU receivers. I think that's going to be the difference. I think while you'll see Auburn hang around for a while, we'll see their defense keep them in this game. And I do think Knicks has a better game than he did against Florida. But at the end of the day, we saw what LSU did to Florida. They they kept answering. It was blow for blow for a while. Florida had their chances, couldn't capitalize. Um, and LSU eventually pulled away. I think you're going to see the same thing in this game uh, I think it is going to be a 7-10 to point game late. I think Auburn's going to have their chance. But then I think LSU puts it away. I see them winning this one by 13-14 to 14 points in a tight, thrilling battle. Uh, and, and you really can't ask for much more. Auburn's going to have their chances, and I expect a fantastic football game. These are two physical teams um, that want to get after each other, a rivalry matchup. Uh, and like I said, the key is going to be for Auburn to start fast. If they fall behind 7 nothing, 14 nothing then this game really, in my opinion, is over before it's even started. Now, Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since 1999. So the 20-year anniversary, there may be something up there. That's a little uh, a little spooky uh, as we near Halloween. So there's no telling if there's something to look into, read into, with it being the 20-year anniversary of that. Um, but, but LSU's going to be ready. Uh, and this offense, it's hard to go against the way that this offense is playing right now. So I've got to go with the Tigers minus ten and a half in that matchup. It's one of the games I think I think it's going to turn out to be one of the best games we've seen this year. And there's been a couple over the last few weeks that have been extremely entertaining. There's going to be a couple coming up over the next few weeks as well as we get later into the season and we near the first college football playoff rankings as well. Uh, several more top ten battles over the next couple weeks: Georgia, Florida, uh, LSU, Alabama. Some big playoff implication games there and for the SEC standings as well. So a big one there in Baton Rouge, Death Valley. Not a night game. That could be a key factor as well. 
but it's going to be a lot of fun to see those two teams square off against each other and the other games we've mentioned, the quarterback concerns and the question marks we have there as well. There's going to be a lot to watch for from several teams uh, on Saturday as we get into another big weekend of SEC football. That's going to do it for this week's show, though. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Of course, I still went longer than I expected. I rambled on for 45 minutes somehow, um, despite being exhausted and half asleep doing this podcast with barely any preparation or notes. But I enjoyed it as always. I love talking about it uh, and getting as much info out as I can. And I, I just appreciate everybody that tunes in. So thank you for that. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about everything we have coming up. Another huge weekend next Saturday. Um, a couple teams will be on by, but we do have some big matchups, including the world's largest outdoor cocktail party between Georgia and Florida. Uh, until next week, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll see you then, and live your sports life on the edge.